0: Welcome to the Talking City Podcast, brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today is Mr Simon Makowski. Sai. how is it going? Uh,
1: yeah, all right, Dan, how are you?
0: I'm not too bad at all, pal, and, well, I bet you'll be a bit busy because we've had to put the recording of this off by like an hour because, thankfully, before we recorded it for once and after, there's been some breaking news just when you think the transfer window's all wrapped up and done. City go and pull out a surprise. Manuel Akanji from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, the centre-back City are closing on signing him. What can you tell our lovely listeners about this uh, fresh move that's come right out of left field?
1: Yeah, it has come sort of out of the blue at the 11th hour, really. Uh But City do want to sign him. They're in talks to sign him. Fee um should be around £15-16 Um, And they are hopeful that... um it will it will get done in time. They have a very good relationship with Dortmund, um, who they they bought Erling Haaland from this summer. A kanji is a player that Dortmund wants to offload. He's in the final year of his contract. So getting a fee for him is better than getting nothing uh next year. And yeah, it should add depth to the the city centre back line that has has lacked it really this season with with Laporte being injured and then Ake getting injured. Um so it. You know, very much by surprise, but it looks a very sensible move.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. From from my understanding, I, should say, I can say, Yeah, he's been at Dortmund for a few years now. Twenty eighteen, he joined, and as you say, final year of his contract. If I'm remembering correctly, I feel like he had, he's twenty seven now. He had a lot of um, a lot of potential when he first joined, and then if I'm right, I'm just going to get his the transfer market up here. Yeah, he's had a bit, been a bit of an injury prone player during his time. He had. Uh, He'd done his ligaments when he was at Basel, and missed 43 games, and then throughout his kind of Dortmund uh, his years at Dortmund, there's, you know, his, his injury history is kind of quite extensive. Dortmund have brought in a couple of centre backs this year, so he's kind of fallen down the pecking order there, and it's hard to see him being particularly high up the pecking order at City. But he's a centre back who, as you say, adds a bit of experience, depth, plays, you know. Coming through at Dortmund, plays he's good on the ball, and you know he could likely fit in quite well at City. But he's not one who's gonna upset the apple cart too much. I get the impression. I think he's one of those signs, maybe a bit like Phillips, where he's coming to test himself, coming to obviously with the ambition of being a regular starter and of proving himself. But I'd I'd like to think, and you may think, at the back of his mind, knows that like Phillips was behind Rodri, Akanji's behind Diaz, or well, probably behind everyone, including Ake, when he's back fit.
1: Yeah, I, I think maybe a bit like Sergio Gomez, although he's not quite the same age profile. You know, you wouldn't expect him to be a regular starter, but if he can get five to 10 starts and 15 appearances in the... 15, 20 appearances in the season, then um, he, he's more than, than made his money worth because... Or, or City have more than made made the money back on him because, um, you know, they they do lack that, that cover in defence. Uh, that was the one real area. Where, where where they are light and um and that addresses that. So mm. yeah, I mean it's it, it it looks to be a very good move. The like you say, does have um a checkered injury history, um so they will have to watch out for that uh, because there's no point sort of signing a player to cover for injuries who is injured himself. But you know, City will have done done the homework. I think the player has been sort of linked with various um, Mm. Premier League clubs over the summer. I think he was linked with Leicester as as late as last week or this week. So, you know, he's he's been known to a lot of clubs. Not many have moved for him, but, you know, it's been a while since Man City have made a a bad signing in in, uh, in the transfer market.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think we saw towards the end of last season when the injury crisis kind of hit and it was really at centre back where it hit hardest. You had Fernandinho reprising his role there to Kind of varying levels of success in different games, Laporte was having to play through the pain barrier to the point where he's now missed the first few games of this season. Is still well, he's on the mend, he's back on the grass, isn't he? But he's I don't think he's, I think, he's still a few weeks away from a return to fitness. So, having that depth, I should say Ake's injured, Stones I'm coming back in for his first start this weekend after, um, you know, missing a bit of pre season, it was definitely seemed like maybe an area that kind of emerged as a bit of a um, one that needed strengthening, I think, is quite. Um, They've just gone out and just improved it quite, kind of, uh, quite clinically. You know, good price, as you say, around 15 million. That's, that's a drop in the ocean at this point in the transfer window when you look at some of the signings being made over the last few days, especially at the other half of Manchester. So it certainly seems like, a, as you say, a smart signing all around with uh, very little complaints, I'd have thought.
1: Yeah, I think if this I might be completely wrong on this, but I think they'd still be um fifty million in profit, even if they sign him. So, you know, it, it is really nothing. And um as well, yeah, if you remember back earlier in the summer, Chelsea wanted Nathan Ake and City were kind of only prepared to let him go if they could get a replacement and um over fifty million up front. And the, you know, one of the big sticking points was that replacement because no one wanted to come in and sort of be fourth choice um, ahead of a World Cup or, you know, the sort of profile of defender they were looking for. I think Akanji is a slightly different profile, but one like Gomez, um, who will kind of accept that he's not going to come mm. in and start every week, but he can make himself a valuable member of the squad and then, and then go from there. So, you know, managers and players always say if an opportunity arises in the transfer window, um, mm-hmm. you know we'll keep our our eyes open for one and this seems exactly that
0: yeah well, well I believe I can you know Switzerland don't have the kind of the biggest depth and I think they play three at the back so I don't think his place at the World Cup is in any doubt really no matter how much he plays as long as he's fit and you know I say even if we saw with Zinchenko last year only made 15 appearances was it but if you play well enough in those 15 games they can make all the difference just as Zinchenko's did you know Defense has been a bit of um of the last two games. Si, it's been a bit of um, a sticking point and one that maybe did need strengthening because you know we had the the thrilling three three with Newcastle last week, which I wasn't here to talk about unfortunately, because what a game that was. But then they followed it up with perhaps an even better one um, this fall, this past weekend, four two victory over Palace, going 2-0 down within the first twenty minutes or so at home. Before we kind of get on to CBM and them winning <laughs> comfortable at the end and whatnot, these last two games, I thought the Newcastle matches, particularly, they got ripped to shreds at times. So Maximum had probably his best game in it from what I've seen in the Premier League, and he's had some good ones. He really did tear Walker and who one at certain points. And then you had this match here where it didn't seem like Palace had quite as much attacking ascendancy, but kind of maybe latched onto two. Maybe defensive um lapsing laps in concentrations perhaps or set pieces. But the defence so far this year, you know, it doesn't matter if they score more than their opponents, but it's certainly an area that maybe is a bit concerning already. You know, it doesn't matter now, but when you get to the last stage of the Champions League, um, it certainly does.
1: Yeah, and um I mean we spoke to Rodri after the game that was probably like, I don't know, forty five minutes, an hour after the final whistle. And like the players had already spoken about how they've already conceded more goals from set pieces this year than they did last year and they're only four games in so so they know it's an issue i think newcastle like you say they got torn apart there aren't too many attacks that can do to them what um what the newcastle attack sort of can and did do to them because you don't have not many teams have a player with the sort of profile of some maximan and the the speed of wilson up front I think the the bigger worry was palace where they were just bang average and you know you're two nil down and you sat there and you're thinking well they the short at centre back because the um stones and Diaz started they were the only two centre backs in the squad um and
0: better injured as well I believe at the minute so even the young yes, backup
1: yeah yeah because he um he came off in Barcelona who had to be stretched off so mm. um so you're thinking the short at centre back and you're thinking on top of that um cy Walker Jao Cancelo both playing terribly um, and they've decided to bring in this, you know, untested, really, uh, Sergio Gomez. Um, You're thinking there's, you know, a a lot of issues here and then uh, Bernardo Silva and Erling Haaland take over and and nobody cares. But, you know, City look beyond the results and, uh, you know, there's been started to be questions about how how City could improve defensively, and clearly one of the options is just to get another body in, and that is why they've uh, why they brought a Kanji in.
0: I think it could be a case of kind of competition, maybe a bit of maybe um complacency, maybe or something. Like that. or maybe just early season rustiness because City haven't defended this poorly probably, probably since this for season after Company left, and there was a bit of kind of uh, you know there was a hole that needed replacing, and they were just lacked, you know, they missed company so much and didn't find his replacement until Diaz came in the following year. Um, Maybe it's just, you know, early season jitters and whatnot, because, you know, we weren't saying this after the first two games when they'd kept clean sheets, but it's just such a mad contrast to those games already.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, Guardiola was sort of keen to mention today how um, they didn't really concede a lot against Palace. They didn't concede a lot of chances. It was just that, that sort of they conceded two really big chances um, that were that were put away, and you know the Palace free kick for the first goal touches three City players and no Palace players in the box. So it, it's like when you when you conceding goals like that, something's really really wrong, or it's just one of those things that probably happens once every thirty games, and and it's probably more the latter with City. But um, but when you concede twice from set pieces, you know you do have. Mm have issues so you know they, there are things that they need to sharpen up on having been so good at set pieces last season you would think that um they will sharpen up on those things but until they do the the questions are are going to be there mm.
0: yeah i do think i think the fact that it's like kind of two games on the bounce um is the maybe the worrying bit you know so for to for them to concede free i think of the you know newcastle three game away absolutely raucous atmosphere at st james Park. I think if that was just an aberration, once wouldn't really be discussed. But the fact that it came so soon after two weeks—you know, a week later—but it maybe that's maybe where a bit of the concern comes in. But if you look at it, kind of, it's maybe a bit of an anomaly that those those two games came back to back. You had the Newcastle match where they were buying up for it. A team usually when teams go attack City like that, it's when City do six 0 and Guardiola praises them we're so well for playing like that afterwards. But this time, Eddie Howe's actually got the um, kind of the players to back up that play, as you say. So, Max Man Wilson, I think um, your man Bruno Gameres was really good in the middle. Who was, was the other winger? Um, Almiron. Almiron played really well as well, um, of course, after what Grealish said last year, of course, of course. But And then you have Palace, who are often a bogey team for City and I've given them issues in the past. I think having those two games maybe next to each other, you know, we'll get to it, but they've got Forest next and you can't really, from the way Forest have started, you can't really see anything but a dominant city win in a clean sheet and back to kind of normalcy. I think just having those two games which pr- pr- bring their own problems that are a bit difficult for city in the grand scheme of things maybe just makes things seem a
1: little bit worse than they are. Yeah, we, we overanalyze a lot at the start of the season, and Newcastle away has been a bogey team for for city. Um, I think they've not won three out of the last five league games there now, so you know that's a bogey team palace at home has been an awful fixture for for city so you know to come away with four points from those two games is is, is very good um you know liverpool dropping points at home to to crystal palace and you go, oh it's bad liverpool but it's like but it's also a, a pretty good crystal palace team um and also you know liverpool historically have struggled at old trafford i know they absolutely rinsed them last year but you sort of. It's very hard to to forget these kind of uh, reputation. You know, City have struggled at Anfield for so long. It's not by fluke. They don't start mm. by zero every time. You know that you get a feeling around teams and yeah. stadiums, and and uh, and it's difficult. And City will have known that Palace are were a bogey team for them, um, and especially when they're two 0 down, they're thinking, you know, where where do we go from from here? But. Um, yeah, I think the fact that it has been clustered together and if you are including the Barcelona game, then that's um, another three goals conceded mm. in a game. So, so you know, City are under no illusions. They need to stop conceding silly goals. If they stop, you know, getting the basics wrong, then they will concede fewer goals. And I think, you know, they, they've, they've got two of the teams that tend to hurt them more than any others out of the way now. So... You know, if if he concede plenty against Forest, then you start to worry. I think,
0: absolutely. But you know, we've got the negative stuff out of the way now. The serious analytical stuff. They still won the game, and it was largely due to the man. The moment he's still going stronger. You know, we played devil. Well, I played devil because I've cut a few times ahead of the season, but he's smashing every possible doubt out of the window. Erling Haaland, the first hat trick of many, many, many. I should imagine, and they were just all sort of goals that. Just uh, he's going to score so many at City, you know, tappings, headers. Um, and then that third one when he just bodied a defender and stuck it in. It was honestly, it was unreal. I was watching it, um, just watching watch the highlights there. And he just kind of with ease just holds him off as if he's not a six foot two centre back trying to get him off the ball. And then he, he, uh, the third goal, man, it was he shot so early. It, it seemed like he shouldn't wasn't even in a, like, a shoot. His, his body didn't look like it was in the right place to shoot. It seemed like he was still on the kind of on the turn, or wasn't really facing the goal. And he just lashed it straight in. I mean, what a performance! You know, to to that's what City wanted him for in those games where they are in a bit of the dirt to get those chances and put them in. No missing, unreal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to sort of talk about him without sort of just getting carried away, basically. But he is phenomenal, and it for anyone who's lucky enough to watch him inside the stadium, like the things he does, he like it, it feels like he sort of bends time around what he wants. So when Gundogan gives him that ball for the third goal, you know it's a goal as soon as the ball is played into him. But the way he is sort of able to control the ball, hold Ward off and just leave him on the floor without even touching it. Mm. And then, like you say, getting the shot away past the keeper before anyone's he sort of like slowed the game down and then sped it up w- within four seconds. And, um, you know, he, he is, he is a game changer. Um, and yeah, you know, and any doubts about him must surely be, mm-hmm. be over. Um, because it, it's just, and, and as well, you know, how he whips the crowd up. He was fantastic. He was, um, really going for it. He never sort of ducks out of the game when they were, When they were 2-0 down and um, yeah i mean what a player city have on their hands and it's you know it is a joy for city fans but anyone who gets to see him in the premier league this season and future seasons just enjoy it because Mm -hmm. you can sort of inside the stadiums as well you can almost kind of smell the desperation from from opposition defenders and it it's not like they're terrible it's just that they know they have to be like 10 out of 10 all the Mm -hmm. time yeah. And the the 2nd the second not, he's going to pounce. And that is exactly what he did on, on Saturday three times.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the second goal as well, you know, I think special word needs to go for that. It almost seemed like kind of accidental at times. I don't know if Stones meant his pass, but that move, and we'll talk about it, Julian Alvarez in a moment, but that move was all just that's like awesome. I mean, if, even if, you know, Haaland had little to do in that goal, the finishing touch, but you just know that he's there now to finish it off. They had that of Aguero, maybe not even to this extent, and he's obviously their record goal scorer. I don't think it would be long before that record's in peril, to be honest with you. But um, what, again, just what I think uh, that goal it might be one of my favourites so far this season. The, the movement, the passing, was it? Bernardo, Alvarez, Stones and Haaland finishing it off. It was just beautiful to watch.
1: Yeah, and uh, so Bernardo plays one-twos with both De Bruyne and Alvarez. I don't think I realised at the time. Bernardo absolutely hammers it at Alvarez. Yeah, he does. Um, and it's like amazing control, and then to give it him back, and uh, and then yeah, whether it's a, a shot or a, a lovely assist from John Stones, it's uh, Harland. Harland is there, and that's what Guardiola has been telling the players. You know, mm. Harland will be there. You, you don't need to sort of try anything fancy to find him. He'll be there, and that's what Foden did for for his first goal, and that's what obviously happened for his second goal and then you know Gundogan made no mistake in finding him uh for the the last one but yeah I, and you know a word for Bernardo Silva because he was as good as Haaland um getting city back in control and having you know a, a very good game while still there is like 1% of uncertainty around his mm. around his future so no no messing around from from him
0: No, you're right. I was just gonna go on to Bernardo now, as you say. um, He started in Barcelona last week, and it's must you know that's kind of the place where he seems like he wants to go. If all things could be equal, but again, just like last year, even though there is this uncertainty surrounding him, and you know, there's maybe personal reasons why he wants to leave and whatnot. The fact that he's still just being the kind of ultimate professional, getting his head down. You know, we've seen it from see it from other players in the transfer window this summer already, like. Some players can easily. I think is it was it Willie Bolly at Wolves didn't turn up to play this week, wasn't it, or something like that? Um, there's been I think Fafana at Leicester as well, similar, hasn't been picked recently. and his kind of links to another club, um, the, the the um the way that he kind of doesn't get sulky or let his attitude drop, doesn't let it impact the team, just carries on. And busy uh, ultimate professional and goes on to be absolutely amazing. A brilliant goal again for that first one that got City kind of clawed back into it.
1: Yeah and I think that's a really underrated point when you sort of you know talk about other players who are trying to force moves away and Bernardo has you know never once sort of come out and said I want to stay at City but he's uh, neither has he sort of made it so clear that he wants to be anywhere else but City. Um and that is partly down sort of, you know, the characters that City sign that they make sure that these players are not going to be ones who who down tools. It was a similar thing with with Ake, he might have wanted to go in summer to get more regular first team football, but he, he shrugged it off and started the season very well before he got injured. But um but yeah, I mean, you know, Bernardo Silva has, has picked up where he where he was last season basically, which was one of City's best players.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's really bored well for City, you know, um, they've lost Fernandinho this year, the squad maybe, if not in terms of quality, in terms of numbers, is fewer than it was last year, having I mean, lost Sterling and whatnot, and Zinchenko, Jesus, they've lost kind of options. The fact that Bernardo can still play so well and Gundogan has somehow like upped his level even more, which is incredible for you know a player who's now um, in his 30s, it just seems like City, again, even though in terms of numbers, they are technically weaker, in terms of the actual quality—they—they they seem stronger than ever. Even though we've, as we've discussed, they've had those kind of weak points. But you know, Gundogan coming on, started the first three games of the year, the captain now, um, but comes on and gets an assist for that that fourth goal. As we say. I think the both have been mint already so far this season.
1: Yeah, and you know, De Bruyne has not been mm. as as sort of explosive as he was in preseason, but he, he's still done. You know, when you've got Bernardo and Gundogan in, in that form and you've still got more to get out of De Bruyne and you've got Erling Haaland who scored six in four, it, it, <laughs> there's a lot of things to be positive about at City at the minute.
0: Absolutely. Another one of those is kind of Elian Alvarez. He came off the bench. Um, I think it's quite telling that Guardiola called upon him when the going was tough. It shows that he has a lot of trust in him and, as as we mentioned, played a vital role in, in that fourth goal. Um how, how did you rate his showing? Is it, is it the first time he's been like the first time he's played um, competitively for City when the, it's not been kind of game over? Is it like his first, I'm trying to recall, top of my head, well, probably uh, well, been involved?
1: To define the community shield for competitiveness, it's competitive when you win and not when you lose, isn't of it? Of course, yeah so he, so, so he did come on and get the equaliser uh, against Liverpool in the shield. Um, I hadn't been that impressed by him in the mm. first few games. I hadn't seen much from him. Um, he was really good in Barcelona, which you know it was a friendly but it was a strong barcelona team he got a tapping of a goal um but a goal nonetheless and and that seems to be the thing with him He is involved in goals and he's around when city score and he he was superb on saturday really sort of fundamental to their comeback he was involved heavily in in two of the goals um and and yeah and you know city have six games in the next 18 days alvarez will start some of them and he will start some over harland and whether that's whether that starts with nottingham forest or not uh remains to be seen but it is a, a case of when rather than if alvarez will start games over harland because that is how highly he is rated
0: yeah absolutely I, you know we'll, we'll come on to forest shortly but can before then you mentioned it a couple of times you were in barcelona um, in midweek for the friendly, um, it seemed like quite a good game, three-three in the end, um, I believe. But um, how was how was the day? I know it was for a good cause, um, but you know it's still strange. Even despite the good cause, a, a, you know, a friendly and once the season's already begun, what we did kind of mention, what happens if there are injuries, did come to pass. But do you think City are holding much of a kind of anger about that? Do you think there'll be much regret, even though despite it, or you know? And then again. Uh, how how was the the evening? It seemed like a full house as well at the the camp new.
1: Uh, yeah, it wasn't a full house. Which no. um, it was my first time inside the camp new, and uh, yeah, ninety one thousand. But there were like still lots of empty seats. So it's uh, just kind of drives home what a huge stadium it is. Um, and yeah, I mean the you know the passion over there is is remarkable and uh, everyone was uniting for a good cause and sort of it was easier to see quite why it had to be city there playing in that game because of the connection that Guardiola and the city hierarchy have with uh, this guy who's driving real change um over in Spain getting sort of awareness and and sort of raising money towards uh, battling ALS or motor neuron disease um so, yeah, I mean, as a spectacle, it was it was really good. You can't discount the fact that City got an injury to Phillips um, and Mbete as well, which sort of two, not, not players who would start, but players who would, would be in the, the first-team squad ordinarily. Um, made easier by Phillips. Injury doesn't seem as so bad as it first initially looked. Um, and the, on the positive, you had, say, Alvarez starting and doing really well. Rico Lewis at right back looked terrific. He played the first half and, uh, you know, 17 years old, playing in front of 90,000. Ferran Torres is up against him. And uh, yeah, he gave he gave as good as he got. Um, and Phillips looked really good before he came off. So it was a very useful exercise in front of quality opposition and a ground that, you know, a lot of um, it, it, it is a testing game, wh- whether it's a friendly or not. Um, you know Guardiola will have taken a lot from that game and I think some of the players will have too it was sort of quite noticeable that before the game before every game usually sort of Riyad Maras and Jack Grealish are out on the pitch just like having a chat or on the phone or looking around it here pretty much every member of the squad was out because sort of everyone wanted to see the the stadium and take it in uh, even like your de Bruyne's and people like that so that kind of showed what wh- how special it was for the players even if from sort of back home, it might have felt like a, a meaningless friendly.
0: Yeah, definitely. I say good cause and great game um, to boot. You know, there was an experiment from Guadalajara as well. of Walker played at centre back, I believe. Like, how, how did that go down? Is it, you know, probably not now kanji's in, but you, could you ever see it being something that happens at City? He's of course got a great experience with uh, playing in a back three with England and always done really well there. So it's not something he's like unfamiliar with, really.
1: Yeah, I think it's an option. He can help out that way. I don't think, um, you know, he will be... It will be sort of first option or anything like that. Um, although it was it was easily his most comfortable game of the three he played that week, um, even though it was at centre-back.
0: Well, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned Lewis there. And I, I went to the under-23s, his first home game of the season, a couple of weeks back against Leicester. And it was the game after, the day after Lewis came on for his... Was it against... Bournemouth, I want to say, came on against for the last eight minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, he, you know, he played the, the day after there and it was brilliant. Again, there was one point when Leicester tried breaking from a corner and he from down their right side. So, he kind of belted it from his across the pitch It's kind of clear a challenge. And, yeah, I should say only 17, captain of the under-18s last year and already, re- you know, really progressing. So, so if, even if you know, if Walker doesn't kind of get back to his best, maybe one to keep an eye on that because he certainly looks like a great player in the next one off that kind of production line. And, you know, as you say, the the fixtures are going to be coming thick and fast soon. City are going to have to call on kind of every hand on deck um, when the games start coming. And a big part of that is because the Champions League is nearly upon us. The draw was made on Friday or Thursday last week. And City, well, it's it's certainly got some nice away trips for you, my mate. Sevilla, or Seville Sevilla. Sevilla, my apologies, Borussia Dortmund, NFC Copenhagen. Certainly some great away draws there for the City travelling faithful. And um, you'd, you look at it and you can't really see City doing anything but finishing top, really, can you?
1: No, it looks a very nice draw. Um, you know, Dortmund do not have the the star names that that they've had for the last few years. Um, obviously, they've lost Haaland, but also... Sancho, Bellingham's still there, but, you know, it, it's not as strong a Dortmund team as as it has been. Um, you wouldn't expect Copenhagen to offer any issues and then Sevilla as a as a, as a top team are, are not too bad either. You know, they, they've done very well in Europe, um, but City should be looking to to beat every one of those teams home and away, really, if they're, mm-hmm. if they're on form. So there shouldn't really be any issues with with finishing top of that group. Which uh, which away trip are you looking forward to the most? Um, I think it's a really nice mm. trip for City fans, un- unless they've been to them before, because you know City have played them all before. But each each city's got something about it. Um, Dortmund probably the least to it outside the game, but then you know that that atmosphere will be pretty special as well. So so yeah, it's really nice for for City fans to to get that draw. Um, just like a, just a, a quick turnaround, really, for for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's some tasty draws elsewhere. Um, I think Group A: Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, and Rangers. That's that that could get tasty in some certain points. That's for sure. Group C is the obvious kind of group of death with Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter, and then poor old uh, Victoria Pleasant, um, unlucky lads. And then we've got a few more Milan and Chelsea in Group B: um, Real Madrid and RB Leipzig. And Shakhtar and Celtic, I feel like they draw each other all the time. And then in Group H, PSG and Juventus have got each other with Benfica and Maccabi Haifa. You know, we all know how the Champions League group stage goes these times. It's the, the richest teams get through. Six, you know, 16 teams go through. It's usually um, the 16 richest that go through. Maybe the odd aberration every now and then. But um, there's certainly some interesting fixtures looking like in the group stage. Um, any particular ones standing out for you?
1: Group A for me just looks, mm. uh, you know, big. I mean, Napoli, I sort of have a soft spot for Napoli anyway, but mm-hmm. um, they're, they've they had a really interesting summer and sort of got rid of a lot of, like, their most popular players, but have started really well. And they host Liverpool in the first game week. So, um, you know, Liverpool, who normally do so well in the Champions League, have got a really uh, tough... Tough group of sort of tough places to go. Uh, but equally no one will fancy going to Anfield. So group 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 A for me is the is the one to watch.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure we'll all be watching with a very keen eye. Um, as we see who gets through to the knockout stage. But as you said earlier, Simon, you know, a tough, um, an intense run of fixtures now begins. We've had the leisurely period of one game a week for all of what, six weeks, has it been five weeks since the season began. But you know, starting tomorrow, the first midweek fixture of the season, minus obviously the Barcelona friendly, which is an extra little one in there. Um, City travel, uh, City host, Nottingham Forest, Eve rather, Premier League new boys, who've had a mixed start to life in the Premier League. It's hard to analyse them when it looks like every time I look at them, they've added a new player to the squad, but Renan Lodi from Athletic Madrid is an absolutely insane and I remember him rinsing United last season when they knocked them at the Champions League. That one seems like the sort of player that City may be thinking, why the why well, didn't mean, we go for him and we need a left-back? Because um, he looks like a really good player. But how do you see City kind of approaching Forest? You know, it seems like this there's kind of maybe thinking that Haaland should maybe get
1: a rest here and Alvarez come in. I think everyone expects Haaland to be rested either for um, for Forest or for Villa at the weekend. And Forrest seems like an obvious uh, choice for, for many. Um, to bring Alvarez in, um, I, w- I mean, Forest have started all right. I would say, on the whole, it is teams that have a clear identity and organization and know exactly what their teammates are doing that fare well against City. And a team with 18, 19 new mm-hmm. signings is, is not that. Um, so I think that you know, it, it's obvious why City are big favorites for the game, they'll be looking to sort of build on their, the form that they've shown already. Um, and yeah, I mean, f- yeah, you, you never, you're never too confident playing newly promoted teams early in the season. Um, and forest certainly haven't been disgraced by, by anyone picked up mm-hmm. a few decent results, but yeah, the city should, should not be sort of getting too tied down in this game once thought.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I really rate Steve Cooper as a manager. He's done an excellent job there, you know, considering where Forrest were last year at the bottom when he took over seven games in, I want to say, to get him up. And, you know, it, it looks like they've made a stupid amount of signings like Ful- and like Fulham did a couple of years ago. And that rarely works. But, you know, Forrest did lose half of the, t- the squad that kind of got them promoted. They lost the goalkeepers. They lost um, Jed Spence. Um, I think the captain... uh he was at Grabben, is it? I think he left. It's like they've lost a lot of the core squad, so it makes sense that they've had to sign a fair few players. I think 19 might be, um and not done with the sounds of it, might be taking, um, you know, risking it a little too much. But Cooper's a really good manager, and I, I kind of expect him to get Forrest to where you say there, to be organised, to have that kind of um, understanding of what jobs everyone's doing. I expect that to be the case when they next play, City, because he's a really good manager, whether that'll be too late for Forrest to kind of stay above the kind of paraphernalia of, um, of relegation. You know, there's a lot of teams who are in contention for that bottom three this year and Forrest is certainly amongst them, despite their good start. But as you say, no, it just seems like there's so much kind of change there that City shouldn't, have, you know, especially at home, City shouldn't have too much problems kind of dispatching them. But, you know, it's hard to say when they've had conceded, what is it now, uh, to sit five, uh, nine, nine goals, eight goals in the last three games, if you include Barcelona, so, but no, no means a given.
1: No, um, it, it's really hard if you're a promoted team coming up because you don't spend enough and people say you're not showing ambition to stay in the league, you spend too much and people think you're pushy and too ambitious, um, it, it's, you know, and ultimately it's defined by results. You know, Marco Silva was spitting feathers at Fulham before season that, before the season started that they didn't have enough players and then they've had a really good start. Um and and everything is rosy again. You know, everything is defined by by results. Um Fulham have shown plenty of ambition. They've outspent the Premier League champions this summer. So, you know, I, I think they will have um have plenty of games where where that shows. I'm just not sure this fixture tomorrow uh, at the Etihad will be the one or should be the one. I think city will feel really disappointed if they drop points um to Forest for those reasons really.
0: Can I get a score prediction out of you? I go for 3-0. Okay, okay. I'll go three one to City and of course we'll have all that covered um in glorious detail over on the Manchester Evening News.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. We'll we may well be back with another episode later this week. Um, discussing the game and looking forward to the weekend's fixture against Aston Villa. We'll just have to see how everyone's rotors line up. But for now, thank you everyone very much for listening to this week's episode of the Talk is City podcast. Um, we can, of course, you can get us on Twitter at Man City at MEN and you can get our Facebook page with Manchester News-Manchester City. But for now, thank you very much and uh, we'll catch you soon. See